I was in the White House when the Supreme Court handed down its decision in, in Obergefell, which is the Supreme Court case that made same-sex marriage available to everyone under the Constitution. And I remember I was standing in my office and I heard a scream in the hallway and footsteps and someone was running the opinion down the hall. And we all just read it together, people were crying, and then we all convened in the Rose Garden where President Obama gave his speech where he said, ultimately, love is love, right? And it was all about, you know, how hard it can feel to make change happen, but sometimes moments like that happen and it's just, it all comes together. Welcome to season four of Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. This season, we'll be talking with some fierce female leaders about things we really care about, including the gender gap and social justice. We hope that these conversations spark your passion and sense of agency to affect positive change. Are you ready? Episode two, things we care about, leading change. All right, all right, Liv, I'm so excited about this week's conversation, and I'm here live from the Live Girl Recording Studio. What about you? Yeah, I'm coming to you live from quarantine. Ah! Well, look, this happens. We're in a global pandemic, and even though you were triple vaccinated and masked up, this is part of the pandemic, and all we can do is roll with the punches, right? Yeah, I will say, I mean, I'm so thankful that I I am triple vaccinated because because of that, I'm completely asymptomatic and really just, you know, you know, a little isolated, but overall, like feeling very fine. Right. And you've only got a couple of days left in quarantine. So hopefully you can binge watch some good TV and read a few books. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, one thing you can read more about is how President Biden has confirmed that he will honor his commitment to appoint a Black woman to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's very exciting news. Woo-hoo. Yeah, it's it's incredibly exciting. And it is just a marker of how important representation is, you know, when people can see themselves reflected in our government and in leadership roles in whatever sector. Um, it really does, you know, it provides inspiration and motivation and it tells people everywhere that they can accomplish those things too. So I look forward to hearing more about that and seeing the change that um, his nominee can make in our country. Absolutely, because this person truly has the opportunity to shape the future of our country. And it's very exciting. Representation matters indeed. And today we talk about representation. We talk about leading change no matter where you are or what your cause is. Um, And I'm so excited about this this interview with, with our guest. Uma Amaluru is the Chief Compliance Officer and Vice President of Global Compliance for the Boeing Company and a member of its Executive Council. Previously, Uma held several senior positions in the federal government. As counselor to U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch, Uma advised on high-profile criminal and law enforcement matters. She also served as the Associate White House Counsel to President Barack Obama. Uma earned a bachelor's degree from Duke University and a law degree from Northwestern University. She currently serves on the Board of Directors of Legal Aid Chicago. Welcome to Confident, Uma. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. 
We're, we're yeah, so excited to be connected with you and, and we're looking forward to our conversation today. So let's just jump in. Yeah. Um, we always start by asking all of our guests our favorite question, which is tell us something that Google doesn't know about you. That's a tough one. I'm a little worried that Google knows everything about me, including things <laughs> yeah, me that I have chosen to forget about to forget about myself. But um, I think this is something that may have uh, escaped um, the internet. Is my first job out of college was at Sony Music in New York. Um, I uh, I am the daughter of two doctors, and so when I went to college, I was most certainly going to be a doctor. And I disabused my parents of that notion junior year and then found myself um, on a little bit of a, you know, a, a, in, a, in an uncertain place where I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to work for Sony Music in New York. It was such a fun job, um, mostly because I got to go to every concert that I wanted to attend. Um, and then, oh, yes. And, uh, and then... Then I was living in New York when 9-11 happened, and that's really what inspired me to apply to and attend law school. Wow, that is a great story. Yeah. And I have to say, I think any college grad, no matter their major, would be thrilled to have their first job at Sony Music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a, what, a fun, yeah. what a fun opportunity. Okay, you have to tell us, who was like your most famous mm, yeah. or favorite musician that you met while, while you were there? I was a huge fan of John Mayer at the time. And so I got to see him. It was early in his career. And I got to see him in this really small venue in New York City. And it was, you know, one of the best concerts I attended. But yeah, I mean, walking into the lobby of Sony Music at that time, you just saw stars everywhere. It just felt like you were living in a music video um, right. on a daily basis. So it was that really is fun. so fun. Yeah. And I, I bet you would have been there for your entire life had that life-changing, yeah. world-changing <laughs> event not happened on 9-11. And so, wow, what a, what a, yeah. what a change in your, in your career path because yeah. of 9-11. Seriously. And speaking of that, um, can you just share with us your confidence file or what key experiences, maybe that's one of them, have led to your success today? Yeah. So I, uh, my dirty secret is um, that I have changed jobs, especially I think in the last, in the latter part of my career, I have changed jobs almost every year or every two years. And um, this is not something I, you know, sought out to do. It's not something I wanted for myself. My husband jokes that I can't hold a job for longer than 18 <laughs> months. Um and in fact, you know, every time I started a job, I would think to myself, okay, this is the job I'm going to do for a really long time, right? And then what would happen is an amazing opportunity would come in through the door, and my uh, universal reaction was to say no, right? So here's an example. Um, I was a prosecutor in Washington, D.C., which had actually been a dream job of mine for many years, and I loved the job. And it was everything I had hoped it would be. And in 2015, the White House called and said, would you like to come interview for a job in the White House Counsel's Office? And I kid you not, my answer was no, I would not. Because <laughs> I was terrified. I thought, you know, I can't do that job. I can't advise the president. Um, what if I make a mistake, right? And I thought, I'm comfortable on the job that I have right now, and I'm not looking for a change. And my husband, to his great credit, uh, you know, got a hold of me and said, this doesn't happen to everyone and you ought to at least go and interview, right? And, um, and so I went in to interview 
I w- they had me at a hello or at the West Wing, really. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I, I decided it, you know, if, if other people could do it, I could too. Um, and, but, but here's what happens every single time I start a new job, right? So I, I get really excited about my outfit. Like, what am I going to wear the first day, right? <laughs> and then I go in and I meet a few people and then I sit down in a meeting and inevitably, and it happens every time at that first meeting, it sounds like everyone is speaking in a foreign language because I have no idea what people are talking about. And people just jump right in and they start talking about, you know, so-and-so happened, you know, this event happened and they're using acronyms and they're using these phrases that no one else knows. And they're talking about people using first names and no one knows who those people are, right? And then I have this panic attack where I think I have made a huge mistake. I don't actually belong here and I'm definitely going to cause a national catastrophe, right? Um, but then what ends up happening is I think, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out. And I have now done that so many times that I can be in a situation where, you know, I don't actually know what's happening, but I have the confidence to ask questions, um, and the ability to just kind of calm myself down and say, I'm going to figure this out. That is actually what I do really well. And so I think I would say, um, again, changing jobs every you know 18 months is not something that I would advise people to do. But I do think it actually helped me develop the ability to question things um, and to not be afraid to use my voice in meetings. And I think also that experience is what helped me get as far as I have, because at some point, you know, I can... I can identify places where there are gaps, right, um, because of my ability to ask questions um, and because of my ability to say, hey, why do we do things this way, right? And so um, I would say that has really been the key to my success if I had to identify any one thing. I, I love that yeah. story so much because it's so important for young women to know that there is not this one linear path, you know, from A to Z, right? And and you've proven, like, as you've moved from the attorney general's office to the White House to corporate America, that actually getting those very different and zigzaggy experiences are what make you a strong, confident leader. And, and that's just so inc- incredible. So tell your husband, we disagree, <laughs> you can hold a job, but you've just proven yourself to be so impactful that you keep getting these calls to serve at the next level. So yeah. No, definitely. I think because as a college student who's not entirely certain about my future, it is really refreshing to hear that, you know, you don't have to be in the first job that you set off with for your entire life. So, yeah, that's definitely an incredible story. Yeah. There is one job that we want to hear more about, okay, (laughs) which is the White House served under President Barack Obama. We, We definitely need to hear more about what that experience was about and also if you met our forever first lady, Michelle Obama, because we are, we are obsessed with her as, as a a female role model. Yes. Well, um, I, so I did just want to say Olivia to one thing, because I think it's so important you know, um, and to share your point, I do think that my looking back on my career, um, it is not what I planned, but it, it has been really fun. But there have also been times when I had disappointments and that brought me to the next level too, right? I applied for jobs early on that I didn't get. 
And it turns out that that opened up an opportunity. I just didn't see it at the time, right? So I just think it's important to to keep that in mind as well, is that I do think it's hard to plan out the perfect career. And sometimes the ones you don't plan out are better than the ones, you know, that you do plan for. Um, so to answer your question, working in the White House was amazing. Uh, it, it's, you know, first, it's like working in a museum, right? I mean, you show up at a meeting and you look around and you think, oh my goodness, you can't even imagine all the leaders, right, that have sat in that room, uh, you know, presidents and prime ministers and Supreme Court justices. And so that in and of itself is just, you know, on a daily basis, amazing. Uh, the, the people that you work with in an administration are some of the best people to be with, right? Because you're all kind of working um, to make the country a better place. And um, and everyone is there often at, you know, at, at great sacrifice because they want to do something good for the country and, um, and advance a policy initiative or, you know, make change that's meaningful. So you're surrounded by the best people, in my opinion, in the world. Um, and then the things that happen, you know, are just, it's, they're the stuff that dreams are made of, right? So I'll share one example, which is I was in the White House when the Supreme Court um, handed down its decision in, in Obergefell, which is the Supreme Court case that made same-sex marriage available to everyone under the Constitution. And I remember I was standing in my office and I heard a scream in the hallway and footsteps and someone was running the opinion down the hall. And we all just read it together. People were crying. And then we all convened in the Rose Garden where President Obama gave his speech where he said, ultimately, love is love, right? And it was all about, you know, how hard change, it can feel to make change happen. But sometimes moments like that happen and it's just, it all comes together. And I just remember thinking there will never be anything better than this. It was just such a dream moment. And that evening, um, we, you know, they put lights on the White House. So it had the rainbow flag on it, right? So there were just really wonderful moments being part of history, seeing some of that happen in real life. It was, it really was just such a privilege, um, which came with a ton of responsibility, obviously, but, but it really was, um, it was super dreamy. I never met Michelle Obama in person, but I too uh, completely look up to her. And um, I think the closest I came to her was at a restaurant where she was having dinner um, at the table next door. And I, I couldn't even focus on my food because I was just so, you know, Oh, what an incredible That's story. Amazing. I actually have chills yeah. from that story, just hearing about, you know, the footsteps running down the hall and um, what an incredible opportunity to be there when that such, yeah. such historic and, and important change um, was made the equality in marriage. And I know now for the Gen Z with Olivia and, and her generation, it's like, this, you know, they're just so forward looking in terms of, you know, of course, this is how, how it should be. And yeah. be, everyone needs to be inclusive. So it's an incredible story. No, definitely. All right. So wait, here's a question. Is there anything you can tell us about President Barack Obama that Google doesn't know about him? <laughs> Uh, he's, I think Google knows this, but I will just say firsthand, he is a really good and kind person. Um, I'll share a story, which is, I brought my family to meet him and my, uh, one of my children was about, 
think he was six years old, he was about to lose his very first tooth. And um, I mean, literally, like it had been wiggling for days, right? And it was just any moment, like it was going to fall out. So we walk into the Oval Office and, you know, my son's in this, you know, tie and blazer and his, which he's like pulling at, you know, constantly. And the president had always had a bowl of apples in the middle of the table in the Oval Office, right? And my son makes a beeline for the apples, right? This is like his opportunity to meet the president of the United States, and he goes for the apples. And my first thought was, <laughs> he's going to lose his tooth in the Oval Office, and I'm going to have to get it because this is his very first tooth, and I'm the mom who's going to, like, save it in a box, right? So um, but the president was so – he didn't miss a beat. He was so kind, and he, you know, he – you know, went over and said, let's take a few pictures first, and then maybe you can eat the apple. And um, and then he met my other son, who was in a wheelchair, and the kindness that the president showed to my son, it just, it still moves me to tears. Um, I just think he really, you know, really always wanted to do the right thing and was such a good, decent human being um, at his core. So that's what I would share. But I think Google knows that, but um, <laughs> but it's a personal personal side of that. But thank you. Those, Those are some amazing experiences. Yeah. <laughs> I feel behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And now shifting to another um, job that you had, could you tell us about your time in the attorney general's office and like what you learned about driving and leading change? Yeah, I, you know, I would say cutting right to the heart of that question, I think the, driving change is difficult. Um, and it's difficult because of the tools you need to use, right? Like the best way to drive change is really to get into people's hearts and minds. I mean, it sounds cliche, but you really need to bring people along with you, mm -hmm. right? You can't be a one person driver of change, but I also think there are circumstances outside of your control, right? So you can work and work and work, and then, you know, something will happen externally that suddenly causes all of that work to bear fruit. But you don't know when that's going to happen. So, you know, I think that to me, the biggest lesson I learned um, from the attorney general herself, but also from being in that role, was just how important it is to build relationships and partnerships, even with people who don't agree with you about, you know, the change that you want to make, um, and to do so proactively. Because, that is the work that really bears fruit along the way, either when something goes wrong and you need to make a call and say, hey, you know, I really, I really need you to support us on this. Or when something goes right and you can say, hey, do you think you could be, you know, an additional voice for this, right? And so um, I, think that, I think that it's really important to be, to engage, um, you know, diplomacy um, and, and the other thing I will say about change is, and, and I think this is funny to say as a lawyer, is oftentimes the most powerful change agent is not a really good legal argument, but actually a really compelling story. And that is something that really, you know, especially as a lawyer, I think um, has been very striking. And as I have seen some of, you know, some of the movements in recent years, it comes down to, you know, I think the arguments were there forever, but it came down to a story, right? A person mm -hmm. um, or, you know, a situation that just that just hit people's hearts and minds all at once. 
Well, I'm just, there's so much to unpack there. Um, and it just made everything you said, I couldn't agree more. And it reminds me of the Maya Angelou quote that they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And there's a lot of emerging research that I've actually been reading lately about leadership and how the greatest predictor of a successful leader is their relationships and how they make people feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I really think the world needs to pay more attention to this because I think we're at a point in time right now as we continue to navigate the pandemic where you know, positively energizing leadership and relational re leadership is more important than ever. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad that you brought that up and 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 brought that forth in discussion. And I, I, like I said, I couldn't agree more. And then next in your story, you transitioned to corporate America. So again, just re reflecting on leading change, driving change. I'd just be curious in any of your thoughts on you know what that looks like in the government versus in a corporate setting. Any lessons learned? Yeah, you know, I think they're actually more similar than you would think, uh, especially, I mean, every company is different, right? So I, I can't, I won't generalize across companies, but I do think that, um, you know, certain companies are, you know, institutionally just as bureaucratic as the government can be, right? They have structures that you really need to learn how to navigate. Um, so I actually think there was more in common between corporate America and the government than I would have expected. Um, and I think that in the same way, driving change requires the same skills, right? It's about building the relationships first and getting to know people, getting to know what are your, you know, what are your equities? What are you bringing to the table? How can I help you, you know, accomplish those goals? And I think kind of aligning on the around shared purposes, um, you know, that's really the way to make change. But, you know, I think what I would say is that the big difference between corporate America and, you know, an administration, at least, is an administration is actively trying to make change, right? Like they want, they have policy, policy initiatives they're pushing, there's things they want to get done, whereas corporations are, you know, they want to get, they want to do business, right? So they're not seeking to make change unless, unless the, you know, there are companies, obviously, who are disrupting the way things are. So that's, you know, that's different. But I think you kind of have to understand the, the, the culture of a company and what the company is trying to do from a business perspective and then figure out how, if you want to drive change, what's the way that makes the most sense to that company and to the leadership of the company to get that done. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It's, it's interesting like that they are similar in a way. Um, and one way you continue to pay it forward is by serving on the board of legal aid. Could you just talk about that and, you know, really how that's a passion of yours? Yes. Um, so Legal Aid Chicago is a wonderful organization that provides free legal services to the very poorest of the poor in Chicago. And they assist on a number of matters um, ranging from eviction proceedings to um, expungement, uh, you know, procedures, um, to advocacy for, you know, getting special needs education for, you know, children. Um, and I feel very passionate about it as a lawyer, because one of the things that I saw in my practice is how much having an advocate helps, right? I mean, when you look at the statistics, for example, um, on evictions, um, and how much having a lawyer on the other side of a landlord 
changes the the um, rates of evictions. It's just it's really staggering, right? And and these are these are fundamental things that people are fighting about, like keeping their homes, um, you know, getting the right education for their children. And so I just think I believe very much in having a fair system where everyone has an advocate. And I think legal aid um, really does just such a wonderful job of of helping people and and being there during some of their darkest moments, right? When they're really facing existential crises um, and they're in court. And, you know, I think the other thing I would say is the legal system, um, it's not easy to navigate, um, even for lawyers, actually. And so I think just having someone in your corner, just it means a lot. And so I think the services they offer are just terrific. It's a a wonderful cause. And um, it's something that really, you know, is important to me as a lawyer. And it's also, you know, someone who sees just um, the the really stark and terrible consequences of poverty on families and people. That's an incredible mission. And what a great way to to give back. Um, I actually think the legal profession in general stands out in in, in lawyers wanting to give pro bono of their yeah. time and expertise. I mean, I know as a nonprofit, we lean on um, pro bono legal services, um, you know, to really, you know, help us build capacity and, and to help us with our risk management and so forth. So it's really just such an incredible, incredible way to give back. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I really feel like we could talk yes, to them all day yeah. or especially go back to and talk about White House stories all day. <laughs> Um, but we need to we need to close it out. And Uma, we always like to close out our podcast. We have just a quick speed round of some fun questions so our listeners can just get to know you a little bit better. And so the first question there is we'd love to hear who is the leader that you admire most? So this is a tough one. Um, as I'm sure you've heard many people say, um, I definitely look up to Michelle uh, Obama um, first. Uh, but I would say Tarana Burke, who started the mm-hmm. Me Too movement. Um, stands out to me. I mean, I think she took something terrible that happened to her. She created a movement again around words, right? Like, you know, me too. And what a powerful movement that was that brought people together um, in solidarity. So I think I would identify her as leader. I'm looking up to a lot lately. Mm, That's That's amazing. Yeah. What are you obsessed with right now? I'm obsessed with the New York Times spelling bee game. I can't, I'm totally addicted to it. (laughs) And I will say the other thing is kindness. Um, Sherry, to your point, I just think, you know, people are feeling really um, stressed out these days. I think there's a little bit of a loss of how people are supposed to engage, you know, socially. And, you know, kindness is, stories about kindness, especially random acts of kindness. I think I'm I'm just very um, obsessed with learning about and hearing these days. Yeah, so mm-hmm. true. And you just don't know what people are going through right now. Um, stress and burnout are at all time high. So absolutely. And I'm hearing all about this Wordle game. Are you hearing? I feel yes. spelling. I heard about yes. Wordle. Yes, I've heard about it. I tried it. I tried Everyone it one time. About it. <laughs> <laughs> so you tried it. So it's not as good as the New York spelling. I game. mean, I only I just heard about it. So I just I tried it once. I'm not sure. You know, um, the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Let us know. And the last question is, what are you most looking forward to in 2022? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to traveling uh, more more than I was able to before. Yeah, it'll be good to get out. Yeah, me me too. (laughs) Me too. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation, and I learned so much. It was a masterclass in leading (laughs) and driving change. So thank you, Uma, so much for sharing everything. 
To our audience, can we ask a favor? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And in closing, I'm Sherry. And I'm Olivia. And we hope that you feel more confident after today's episode. And today's call to action is to let us know what you care about. If you do, we're running a social media contest and we might pick you to come on a future episode of our Confident Podcast.